Welcome to Pitch Intense, the Fan Entertainment Movie Review Podcast, and today we are pitching a sequel to a movie. I know that's a bit of a broad one, uh, but we are pitching sequels to movies that either haven't had one, should have got one, had one cancelled, something like that, but it's being made today, in the year of our Lord, who of course is Stanley and Kevin Feige, depending on your interpretation of our made-up religion, uh, 2019. Yes. I'm always Mike. And I'm always Darren. I think we should include Tiger Woods in there as well. Yeah, yeah. But for, I'm for not... For his confidence. Yes. But I am not Tiger Woods confident to bear this one, Michael. No. Um, I think... Well, basically, I thought, not to give the game away, I thought for certain you were going to do Dread. I was 100% certain you were going to go Dread, yep. and therefore didn't do it myself. Um, Otherwise you would have? or I don't know, it would have been in the ballpark, but no. I was so convinced you were going to do it, I didn't do it. I don't claim to know enough about 2000 AD to write that True. and do that justice. So I, I then trawled through a lot of ideas for this one, mm. and oh boy have I landed on one. Um, I'm a bit scared of it, if I'm honest with you, Michael. <laughs> but Because of its power? <laughs> you'll see, any oh, second now, you'll see. Um, but yeah, this one wasn't one of the most naturally flowing one we've done in terms of like, I knew what I was doing straight away and went into it. Well, you misinterpreted the brief to begin with and right. has been a running joke right. for this podcast right. for some time now. Yes. When I first said this, I was like, I know exactly which one I'm doing, but because of Michael's shenanigans, people, I'm ashamed to say that I won't get to do the pitch I wanted to do because if I had my way, we would be doing the pitch for the sequel to Godzilla 98, Godzilla 2000, and there would be a looping bed of Jamiroquai's Deeper Underground, which I searched out, that would be playing for the entire pitch. It's what I want, it's what the people want, but Maggle pointed out, no, it needs to be made this year. Yes. So it can't. we can't retroactively go back and no. do Godzilla 2000. But based upon that, it has entered... We, we made a master list of pitches we want to do. Yes. Oh, fuck, it's big. Oh. Um, and I purposefully put that one in. So we can... <sighs> when, we're, when we're really struggling for topical pitches, we can go back in and get... Go to the verse 2000 uh, versus whatever I want. <laughs> I'll, I'll make it a two hour time. It'd be amazing. So, yeah. Even over my pitch. Exactly. Yeah, just keep down. be beautiful. Um, so, don't get that. And obviously, I wanted to do that, but I thought, I can't put a Godzilla movie out now that involves Zilla because, you know, we've got King Kong, King of the Monsters, like Godzilla, King of the Monsters coming up and it's different and putting that Zilla in this Godzilla universe wouldn't make sense. And so, then, you know, we're getting Godzilla versus King Kong. Exactly. So I'm, I'm being denied my magnum opus, but that's fine. You can change and you can adjust. So I've landed on something. Oh, God. Right. So I went first last time. Oh, um, I had some feedback on our previous episodes. Yay! Unfortunately, they both went my way. Oh. <laughs> so apparently the uh, so... Panic at the Disco wins. And... Oh. Which I will say, Darren, I'm willing to contend my win on that. Okay. Because I have hated MCR for years and years and years. Yes. I now like two or three of their songs hey. it's happened and they were all in hey your pitch you. have you actually gone through the podcast and gone oh yeah. that's when the dingo I did that yeah and it's oh. still it's still mm. famous last words it's just a brilliant so good brilliant song now that album genuinely back to front there's like one or two like weaker songs on that entire album. maybe even just one like I don't really care for sleep but 
What was the other one that I lost on? No, no, no. I'm saying I mean, the two people have oh, come the back two to me and said, you. "Yeah, that." Oh, so nothing's been said bitch. about the Star Wars one yet. The jury's still out. Come on, people. You know you want to see General Grievous. Darren's is at least shorter. Anyway, <laughs> there is that. Uh, I have a droid tank on the way in Lego Force very yes. soon. I'm so happy about this. <laughs> nice. It cost me just twenty five pounds. Good. Right. Okay. I'm going first this time. You are. So I trawled through a lot. Um, initially, I'll just throw out some of the ideas I had. Originally, I I made a list of like some of the ones I could do. It included uh, some of the ones that got chucked out. So Dread was on there. Uh, Zombieland was on there, but then of course they announced a sequel. The Simpsons movie was on there, but I thought that might be too big a task because I would like to like write that as like the ending of The Simpsons. Mm. However, if you've seen a mega list of pitches, you will note that ending The Simpsons is on there. So yeah. I'm saving mm-hmm. that for another day. But I thought, no, not today. I don't want to do that. Elf was on there because I put <laughs> screw it, you Elf. I Robot crossed my mind for a minute because I really like I Robot. It's underappreciated, but discarded. I thought Amazing Spider-Man 2, but then, of course, you said, no, um, it's got to be made today. I thought, well, again, that also chucked out The Dark Knight Rises, where you could do Batman Returns, a proper one. So, the one that got longest in the tooth before this one came along was I wanted to do um, Power Rangers and do a sequel to that. Because it doesn't look like it's getting one. No. But outside of like, right, bringing the Green Ranger into things, and it was all a bit generic, I couldn't really... It didn't excite me. Yeah. So then I had a thought for this one. And this is a bit like, you know, the killing of a sacred deer. It's, it's, it's a big one, Michael. Right. But it's one I felt it could do the sequel. It never got one. It's one of the most beloved movies of all time. Oh, hang on. And, and I really, really want to do it. Now, I will point out, I'm about to do a lot of things that modern movie audiences, at least white males on the internet, get really annoyed about. Oh, right, okay. I think I'm we're going to be safe. No, no, no. I'm about to... Um, do a soft... It's not even a soft reboot. It's a sequel slash kind of... It's a retelling. No. Right. It's, it is a sequel, but it's also a sort of a soft reboot. Um, switching from a male cast to a female cast. Um, oh, one of the biggest vices yes. of the internet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so on and so forth. The thing but, is, I, I have faith that your content's actually going to be good. Thank you. So we don't have to skirt around controversy. No, we do not. But it also... Yeah, it's... People, I imagine if they didn't like this, would accuse me of raping their childhood and all that good business. Yeah. But sometimes, Michael, you've got to put your balls on the table. Yep. So strap in, people, because okay. here comes the Goonies Never Say Die. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing a Goonies sequel. What a fucking title. Right? Never yourself. Say Die. Uh, okay. <laughs> I was worried for a second we might have done the same movie, but oh, which, thank God. I'll bet say which one, but that kind of really <laughs> I think. Well, I'm just going to move the laptop, sorry, for the odd balls. Okay, here we go. So, I will say at the top of the bat, all original Goonies are back. Mm-hmm. That's what we're dealing with. I will now... So that's um, Sean Astin as Mikey, Corey Feldman as Mouth, uh, Jeff Cohen as Chunk. He's thin now, but that's fine. Uh, and Jonathan Dequan as Data. They're all coming back. Uh, Josh Brolin is back as Brand. Um, Kerry Green is back as Andy, who was Brand's girlfriend in that. Uh, so on and so forth. Okay. Here here we go. So, this is set 30 years after the events of the first movie. Uh, The area of the Goon Docks has now become gentrified, um, helped along by the fortunes found by the original Goonies. Uh, The original gang have all grown up now and have had kids. Um, All four, wouldn't you know it, have had daughters. Um, Their daughters are all friends, but they don't really believe their dad's stories of, you know, one-eyed Willie, the pirate, sloth, etc. 
Um, so this kind of is your introduction to the characters. We all see them hanging out with each other on like the um, schoolyards. Are they like uh, high schoolers? So like fifteen, sixteen ish. Um, so they don't believe their characters. Um, I will just point out their names. Hang on a minute. So you have Mikey's daughter, Chrissy, uh, Millie Bobby Brown. Of course it is. There's got to be a Stranger um, Things. And Sean Austin was in Stranger Things. things so yeah. That's cool. Um, Mouth's daughter, who's just called Mouthie, um, although she wants to be called Mouth, she gets really annoyed about it. Mm. Uh, that's Daphne Keane, so X-23 okay. from... Um, uh, Logan. Uh, Logan, I better say the Wolverine. Um, Chunk's daughter, who's called Punk... Uh, is Sadie Sink, so Mad Max from Stranger Things Season 2. Data's daughter, she's called Hacker. I'm Uh. not particularly happy about this one Mm -hmm. because I I ran into this problem when I was doing the X-Men pitch Mm. of like finding young East Asian actresses is difficult at the best times. So although I don't actually think she's much of a good actress, I've had to go for Aubrey Anderson M... Good God. Start again. Aubrey Anderson Emmons. Right. Um, who is the adopted daughter of Cam on uh, Modern Family. Right. I think you've... you've I think I picked her... her yeah, 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 yeah. I was yeah. going to go the last time, but this time... But she's Vietnamese of Vietnamese um, descent. Um, descent, and so is Jonathan Dequan. Okay. So cool. he's not Japanese, he's Vietnamese, so it worked out that way. We good, basically. Good. Yeah. So, um, so they don't believe him. Um, and uh, but they're all excited because Chrissy's birthday is coming up. She's having a birthday party. Um, we go to that birthday party, and someone dressed in tattered clothes turned up. A tattered pirate outfit turns up to Chrissy's birthday. Um, we see that the dads have all snuck outside to um, have a beer outside this like kids' birthday party because although they're all like in their forties, they still act like they're like teenagers. Um, they haven't really grown up at all. Um, so she turns up and she tells them that um, she needs their help in tracking down Sloth. Uh, the girls sneak out and overhear the conversation. They're like, oh my God, it's all true. Um, and they catch the girl, this girl who's turned up in the tattered clothes, telling the original Goonies to meet them on the same beach where they last saw Sloth the next night. Um, we see Mikey Mikey goes home and he's like excitedly packing his stuff. Uh, he's confronted by his daughter, Chrissy. Uh, she wants to come with him. Um, and he expects her to say him to say no, uh, but her dad's like, "Yep," because he's immature. Yep. So he's like, "Yep, okay, you're gonna come on an adventure with your dad, um, but don't get your hopes up. She's probably just a crazy lazy, but we're just we're gonna go along with it." Um, all four of them, all f- the other three Goonies as well, kind of capitulated to their daughters. So all of them are on the beach, um, and they're waiting, but nothing really happens. An hour or so passes, no one turns up until One Eye Willie's ship comes round the corner of the big rock thing. Um, and he's captained by the girl from before. Mm-hmm. She makes land and tells him that Sloth is her dad. Everyone's like, what? <laughs> yeah. And um, he disappeared looking for somewhere called Pirate's Paradise, uh, having found a map for it on the ship. Mm. So when he was on one eye with his ship. Who's playing this, this woman or is this a spoiler? Uh, I'll, I'll, oh, that's for I haven't actually put any marks in here to tell you who's telling who. Sorry. Uh, the mystery woman... Uh, who I will name in a second. He's played by Tessa Thompson. Oh, nice. Okay, cool. So you're probably thinking, Sloth's her dad? Hmm. More than that in a second. Um, so yeah, um, he disappeared looking for somewhere called Pirate's Paradise and he needs their help to go and find where he's gone off to. Yeah. 
Uh, everyone agrees to go, um, and then we get some comedy of them trying to convince their wives they're all going on an impromptu camping trip. <laughs> like, yeah, we're just packing everything up, everything's fine, darling. Uh, Mikey's worried about how they're going to get on the ship unseen, because obviously it's a pirate ship. It came in at night, but this is now like a populated area. There's a lot of people, but... Um, it became gentrified and became kind of a hipster's paradise, did the goon doc. It's very hippy-dippy, right. millennial type of shite. It's the kind of shit you see in uh, GTA V. Exactly that, that. yeah. So, oh. um, so he asked his brother Bran, played by Josh Brolin, mm-hmm. uh, who's now the mayor of the town, um, for help. So he organised an impromptu avocado festival for the next day. <laughs> this distracts everybody from the coastline and allows them to set sail. Um, I love it. Yes, so I just want you to picture... Imagine if Tessa Thompson played Jack Sparrow. That's kind of what she's dressed like. Nice. As uh, Sloth's daughter. Um, So they set sail. They're a little bit out from the port when all of a sudden they are boarded by somebody. Turns out it's Bran's son, Walter, who is played by Zac Efron. Um, He's part of the Coast Guard. Um, He didn't go to the Avocado Festival because avocados are too mainstream now. So he's that (laughs) level of millennial hipster. Um, But yeah, he's like, he's part of the lifeguard. He saw the ship, so I went to try and stop them. Uh, He insists on coming along as like the only responsible adult there. And as part of the Coast Guard, it's his mission to stay with the boat. (laughs) I that he's supposed to be looking after the 40-year-old men. Yes, exactly. But that's the thing. They're still like the goonies. They're still idiots. Um, So um, we find out that much to the relief of the older goonies, Sloth isn't actually... Her real dad. Her name is Ruth. Um, and Sloth saved her pregnant mom from a shipwreck um, and took her to shore, uh, which is where Ruth was born. Now, obviously, in the original, Sloth was addicted to baby Ruths, so he named her Ruth Ruth. because she's a A baby. baby. Hey! You see it? It's good! (laughs) I love it. Yeah! Um, They arrive at the island that Ruth thinks Sloth has gone to, um, and they set up camp. Eager to go on an adventure, the dad sneak out of their like little, um, they've got tents and stuff, so they just sneak out to go on the hunt for sloth and for any treasure that might be on the island, because again, they're idiots. Um, once they leave, like literally you see them sneak around the corner, and then you see their daughters have had the exact same idea, <laughs> and walk around the other way. Um, so they leave Walter and Ruth alone in the camp. Um, <laughs> this is where it escalates. Both of them are captured by modern day pirates. Who are canvassing oh, the God. island for some mythical treasure. Actually, um, what kind of pirates are we talking about? Well, they look like pirates, but it actually turns out they're more mercenaries than anything else. They're, they're not un- Somalian, are they? No, 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 Good no, no. no. Think of, don't think of them as pirates. They're, okay. they're, they're mercenaries. They're led by Steph, who was the blonde one from the original Goonies, so not the one who's going every brand. Yeah, this is Steph. She basically went a bit crazy after the events of the first movie. She was the one who didn't adjust well to seeing, you know, a magical pirate ship that can sail itself and, and all that good stuff and being held up by bandits. Um, didn't react well to it. Um, so, you know, had some treatment, joined the military, left the military and went to work for this mercenary team, worked her way up the ranks uh, and became leader mm-hmm. because she wants enough resources to go after Sloth. She blames him for all the things that happened to her and all the trauma she's been through. Right. I will admit this is a bit shaky, um, <laughs> but I needed an enemy, and this is what I came up with, and it gets everyone back. Um, and um, she's played by the same actress who did uh, Clay Ninja One, and her right-hand man is her son called Lance. Did I cast Lance? I did not cast Lance. Okay. Oops-a-doodle. Who um, do we like? Who's big and strong. 
Big and strong. Um, big, strong boy. You know what? They've got him in the Umbrella Academy now. The guy who played Dickon Stark, Dickon uh, Tarly, which means nothing to you. You haven't seen enough Game of Thrones yet. No. He's big and strong. We'll pick him. Cool. Um, so this is where you get your typical Goonies caper, but this time we're focusing more on the girls and them trying, you know, going through this jungly, cave-ridden island. Um, we see how the dynamic kind of matches their fathers quite similarly uh, as they sneak through the jungle, sneak through the caves. Uh, meanwhile, their dads have come back to camp, having find, found nothing on the island. They stumble across the mercenary camp, return to their base to warn everybody, only to find that everyone has left. Uh, blind panic, they run after their kids um, and have a few run-ins with the mercenaries along the way as well. Uh, the daughters find a cave, and here is um, they hear what they think is a monster inside, uh, but it's actually sloth. Um, they find him in like a massive underground building almost. So imagine like they're going to a cave, but it's like carved. There's seats carved into the wall. There's all sorts. Um, it was an old pirate's hangout, which is why, you know, this is why it's called Pirate's Paradise. It, was, it wasn't it was like some mythical treasure thing. It was a hangout spot. It was a hangout. It's a place for them to hide from everybody. No one knew where it was. Like, like a Nassau sort of place. Exactly, kind of, yeah. yeah. So it's just a refuge point okay. for all the pirates to come together and hide from those who were pursuing them. Um, so they slide down a, a deep slope into this place and discover that the hideout itself is the treasure everyone's looked after. Mouthy is very, very annoyed about this as she <laughs> thought there was actual money. Um, they hear someone else sliding into the room. The audience think it's mercenaries. Through editing, you think the mercenary just on the tail. Turns out it's their dads. They all fall over each other as they slide into the uh, They reunite. Everyone's happy to see them, but they say they have to escape quickly because the mercenaries aren't right behind them. Uh, we see Goonies, old and new, escaping their pursuers through the cave while Sloth disappears, um, having heard about his daughter's kidnapping. Uh, Lance is tricked into following the original Goonies instead of Sloth, who is his intended target, while Steph pursues the girls. We return to the camp, where Sloth swings in to free his daughter and Walter in the Superman show. Uh, they tussle with the guards, and Ruth leaves to go and save the girls, so he's left Walter. she's left Walter and... Um, Branson uh, and left Sloth dealing with the mercenaries. Is Sloth being played by the same guy? Uh, no, he's dead. Um, ah. So I should have smoothed that out. Just have to get. Uh, I've got. I've got, I've got the hound in. I nice. forgot to mention that. Yeah, he's playing Sloth. That's good. Um, I'm on board. I'm really not doing well if you've announced my casting. Oh well. Um, they just with the guards. Ruth escapes to go and save the girls. She finds them, swings in as Steph and a few of the men have kind of cornered the girls on the cliff. Uh, she's wearing her dad's Superman shirt. <laughs> they fight. Steph is knocked out. Um, they regroup with the dads and brag about knocking out Lance. No, no, they regroup with the dads. The dads are bragging about knocking out Lance. We then show a clip of them running away from him and he just hits his head on a rock and gets knocked out. <laughs> uh, they escape the island. One big happy family. Ruth and Sloth leave again. Uh, and the last thought we see is Chrissy saying that she promises not to go on any more adventures. Um, as she walks away, hand in hand with her dad, we see a treasure map sticking out of her back pocket. Hey! And that is my use shorter than usual for these episodes. That is very short for the Goonies Never Say Die. As I said, this wasn't one that really like went. Oh, I know everything. I've got so much information. Yeah, yeah. This was just my idea for a sequel. I, I like think it. it shifts. It shifts focus onto these four young girls. Anyone who's like, well, what about men? Watch the original Goonies. Um, I feel there are, it's a talented cast, especially the main three of Daphne Keane, um, Sadie Zink and Millie Bo Brown. That's a really good trio, mm-hmm. as was the, um, Aubrey, Aubrey Anderson Emmons again. Yes. You could do sequels off of that if it proves to be good. But 
in no way kind of dismisses the first one. No. The the four Goonies are a main part of this. They are with you all the way through. We touch on all the major characters from the first one. Sloth is back. It t- it's very closely tied into the first one, but gives you new characters, new insights into the you know what happened after the Goonies. And it's all feasible. They're all people that can come back. They're all still acting to some level and degree. Some of the the smaller characters, so like I don't think the one who plays Steph, uh, what's her name, uh, Martha Plimpton has really been all that much since, um, and so on and so forth. But yeah, that's my idea, Michael. That's a good idea. Pretty short. I really enjoyed how you incorporated the original cast. Uh-huh. That's really good. Is to is to age them up, but don't change who they are. No. Or like you know, it's a reverse Luke Skywalker, isn't it? It's like we've aged them up and then we haven't completely rewritten who he is. Exactly. Which is good. That's what you want to come back to. Yeah. If, if it's not doing a full-blown reboot, which I really didn't want to do because I saw what happened to Ghostbusters. I'm not an idiot. Yeah. Um, it, it's a great way to kind of have your cake and eat it. I've always hated that saying, but I'm going to use it anyway. Because um, why is it unreasonable to want to have the cake and eat the cake that you've been given? Anyway, um, it means that you get to have fun with all these new people, but there's also new characters you might be interested in as well. So it's more Force Awakens than anything else. Of like, no, yeah. the old people are still here, and there's good times to be had with them. But also new things, news fun too, isn't it? Then they can go off and have their own sequels. Perfect little marriage. Stuff. The only problem I see with it is that the part of the charm of the original Goonies uh, film was was the mystery. Yes. And I think just the island is the treasure might be a little bit... I I get it. I totally get it. And maybe if it's used as a plot point, maybe if the kids are at odds with the parents, that might be an interesting thing of like, Unity was the treasure. That'd be cool. Ah, But but they're already sort of on the same page by, you know, the dad's going, yeah, come on the adventure. Yeah, exactly. So I think with more fleshing out, Mm -hmm. even though I enjoyed its brevity, with more fleshing out... There's a really good film in there. There is, yeah. And I think... Well, this thing, I toyed with, like, doing it about treasure and money again. But I was like, if they've just got all that treasure and, you know, they've gentrified the the area where they were, I was like, well, then all you're going to do is say, oh, they've run out of money and they need to get more. And like, that's just a retread. There's nothing yeah. exciting about that. <sighs> I get you, Which yeah. is why I had to switch it from, like, a, a literal treasure to, a, like, a kind of metaphorical treasure. Well, the, the, the peril... You've already got the driving force behind the movie because you've got the peril of sloths gone missing. That's, yes. that's pretty big. Because yeah. the Goonies would care about they that. They would. The, the only thing that I... I don't like the mercenary stuff, but I felt like I, I needed some level of... I need an antagonist because obviously in the in the first one you've got the mafia family that's after them. Yeah, and I was like, I don't really. There's not that many character actors going around to replace those guys exactly. anymore. Exactly. So I was like, I I want to make it a bit more cold, just because you you give Steph that kind of motivation of why she's after Sloth, and that's all you need from them. This then maximises the amount of time you can be with the Goonies. Mm. Now I don't think in any way, shape, or form this would be on the same level as the original Goonies, but. I don't know. I feel like it could be a pretty... It's a, it's a nicer march. Mm. It's been a l- more than enough time. I think it was 1984 the Goonies came out, something mm. like that. More than enough time for people to have enjoyed it. Several generations have enjoyed this name growing up with it. And it's a nice way to kind of bring those in whilst also bringing in a new audience who may not have seen the original. Eventually it's going to pass out and become an old movie, which is terrifying. But there we are. So yeah, that was my pitch, Michael. It's good. Lovely. I liked it. No. So let's move on to mine. Here we go. This will be fun. Um, so 
I didn't really have that many ideas going into this one. One really stuck out, and it, I really wanted to run with it and see what would happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can't even remember what I was toying with to begin with. I think I was thinking about a couple of... I think I toyed with The Warriors, because I really mm. loved that movie, but I wouldn't... It felt like too much of a... I'm a big fan of that film. Yes. And I don't want to see a sequel. I don't want to see a reboot. I don't no. want to see a soft retell. I don't want to see it. It feels like it's a one and done movie. Yeah. You've, you've had, you've, you've finished, you're done, then there's no more need. But I was watching a, a YouTube video of a breakdown of a scene from a film that I'd probably seen at some point in my youth, but didn't remember that much of. Yeah. Rewatched it. I went, okay, we're doing this. Oh. So, uh, would you like the title? Would you like the, uh, the lead into the title screen? Uh, lead us into the title screen there, Michael. Okay, then, so... Paint uh, me a picture. It's, t- it's time to paint. So, it's the 1950s in uh, Hollywood, and there is a studio executive who is taking a meeting with one of his clients. This executive is called Wilbur K. Hammermeister. He's being played by Brian Cranston, and hey. he calls in the next... Like He's dealing off with, like, one sort of, like, movie deal, pitch, whatever you... And he's like, right, okay, can you send him by two o'clock? Comes in. In walks in Roger Rabbit. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, so Roger Rabbit's come to pitch his big budget movie to a bunch of movies. Actually, he's been doing these shorts. He kind of wants to move up a little bit in the world. And he's pitching all sorts of ideas. And and Will was like, well, you know, Maroon Studios has had all this controversy in the past, most of it involving you... Let, let's can you give me something about you not just one of your ideas and Roger's like well you know there was that experience I had in World War 2 so <laughs> so here's what we're doing um, so so all of this takes place well this early bit takes place three years after the original events of Who Framed Roger Rabbit um, and yeah it Roger Rabbit and Jessica Rabbit essentially telling the story of how they met the movie is called Roger Rabbit's Toon Platoon <laughs> Oh, God. Which, which is... The, do you know why I chose this? Go on. Um, this was going to be a thing at one point, and they never oh. made it. And I based, there was three versions of this movie, and I have compiled them and given it my own spin. Fantastic. Uh, so, yeah, here we go. So, Wil- Wilbur says, yeah, okay, let's, let, let's hear your life story then, Roger. So we flash back, which is where the actual movie takes place, to 1941. Uh, a penniless Roger is sharing a crummy apartment with his vaudeville comedy partner known as Charlie Hutch, who's played by Dan Fogler. Okay, nice. Um, the pair are complaining about a lack of money now that the vaudeville scene is drying up, now that moving pictures are taking over, um, and they're wondering if they can put food on the table. Roger says that they can perform in clubs, um, it's the only way they're going to get noticed and hopefully picked for movie roles. Uh, so they head down to a local theatre and they're begging the guy for a spot. And he's like, listen, i got movies, i got comedians, I don't need slapstick comedy anymore. But he's like, what? I don't even know what what the act's name is. And like, ah, well, he's Roger Rabbit and I'm Charlie Hutch. And together we're, let me guess, Rabbit and Hutch? N- no, Roger and Charlie, but we'll go with that. Uh, so the, the owner remarks, like, I don't need a, I don't need a half-toon Laurel and Hardy, but... You know, one of my acts just dropped out. Okay, I'll book you on for Sunday. The two go home and start to rehearse in their apartment. And it kind of... They're trying to do this big musical number, but it's kind of wrecking their apartment at the same time. <laughs> but but they're so into it, and they're such good friends, that they look around at a trashed apartment where they've been doing this whole physical comedy routine. And they're like, Jesus, this place is a dump. Let's go down to the theatre early. 
Uh, they arrive, um, they take to the stage, and when they get out, the audience is like one guy asleep and the janitor just mopping up. And they're like, where is everybody? And the owner's like, you are kidding, right? Didn't you hear the news? Um, the date of this... <laughs> fucking hell. The date of this gig is the 7th of December 1941, and earlier that morning, Japanese forces launched an attack on Pearl Harbor. Cut to the next day. (laughs) The pair are reading a newspaper regarding the attack and they're discussing what, you know, President Roosevelt's saying that the United States are going to enter the the war in Europe. Um, And you can hear, like, snippets of Roosevelt's speech in the the background with, like, we were suddenly and deliberately attacked by naval air forces of the Empire of Japan and all this. And they're talking and Charlie's saying, well, you know, America's going to take part in the the war on Europe now. Maybe we should sign up. And Roger's... Not exactly like, it's like, well, you know, tunes have a bad enough time as it is in in the city, never mind on the battlefield. I'm not entirely sure. Um, but they resolve to to join up. Um, it is, Ch- Charlie's like quite resolved in the, like, you know, I'm an American, I'm going to do my American duty. And Roger's like, eh, go on then, why not? So they go up to uh, get the examinations and unsurprisingly, Charlie fails his. I mean, you've seen the size of Dan Vogler. Um, but he is passed by the doctor for serviceman role. Uh, Roger's examination does go a little bit worse. So for starters, um, his doctor's trying to find a heartbeat. He's like, I can't quite get that. And he's like, I'll make it easier for you. Boom, 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 out the chest. Nice. Hitting him in the face. Um, <laughs> and then like he gets a reflex test and he's like, Doop. Can you feel that? It's like, no, but you'll feel this giant cartoon mallet. Nice. Bit of physical comedy. Oh, okay, I like it. Um, so <laughs> Charlie's coming out with like his bill of good health and he's like ready to join up. And then just <laughs> Roger just collides into him after being thrown out. Um, <laughs> and he's like, well, what happened there? And he's like, well, you know, they didn't let me get to the punchline. He opens the door and yells, the guy says the act is called the aristocrats. Slams. Oh, oh. <laughs> And Charlie's like, this isn't an audition. This is a... You know. so, Deep cut there, Michael. Yeah, yeah. So they, they go home um, from that. Charlie's packing his bags to head off to the training camp, um, which leaves Roger alone at the apartment. So Charlie Charlie goes out on a bus to Camp Ratatat in Texas. Uh, upon arrival, he meets his superior commander, who's Colonel Merry, spelled M-E-R-R-I-E, as in the Merry Melodies, mm. uh, who's played by Mark Hamill. Okay, noise. Um, who is anything but merry. He's oh, a no. t- total hard ass. Uh, so they go through this kind of gruelling induction uh, and Charlie gets put into his dorms. He opens his bag. Pff, Roger just bursts out of it. Uh, and the two have an argument like, you know, I need clothes, I need toiletries and you just put yourself in the bag. This is not a cool <laughs> surprise, Roger. Uh, and he kind of, they have a massive falling out and he leaves the camp in tears. Um General Mary's in this building, like his office, and he hears Roger crying and running down the street. And he's looking out the door. And he's like, anybody else? And like, he turns around and he says, do you have anything to do with a four-foot toon rabbit wearing baggy pants, Agent Krupnik? The camera spins around and it's Jessica Rabbit. Uh, mm-hmm. Her previous name was Krupnik. Right. Uh, who's still voiced by Kathleen Turner. I should have pointed out all the original cartoon character voices where possible are being used. Uh-huh. If I need to alter it, I'll say so. So... You've still got Charles Fleischer and Kathleen Turner playing Roger and Jessica. They'll return to the roles. Uh, so Jessica is actually a secret agent who is debriefing Colonel Mary uh, on a recon mission from the front lines. She's got some documents on the desk uh, with pictures of a German general and a cartoon doctor, which we'll come to in a minute. So we zoom in and we start the cutaway section. Uh, Jessica's narrating the scene of her breaking into a laboratory. And in a large open space, uh, there's a tomb scientist called The Mad Doctor, who is a Disney character. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's using these comically large machines to torture and 
torture these captured toons and allied soldiers. A German general called Commandant Bozeman, which literally translates to evil man. Okay. <laughs> Um, who I originally had played as Daniel Brawl, but in the I, I changed it at the last minute, and I'm now changing it to a woman. Um, oh, okay. I'm having Commandant Buzzerman played by Jodie Comer, who was in Killing Eve as the uh, the serial killer in that. Ah, right. She was really good. Uh, I've been watching that recently, and I figured I could get her into that role. Um, so. The Mad Doctor explains that human-tune hybrids have been very difficult to create and it would require further testing. However, his new creation is coming along nicely, uh, which is an artificially created life form made with computers. Uh, the indestructibility of a tune combined with the dimensions of a human. So on this big, oval-rounded computer screen, we can see like this 3D-rendered model, and it's obviously it's a bit of an anachronistic thing. But I'm saying that, you know, they work together yeah, yeah. they created this. Um, Bozeman explains that news of the experiments can't get back to the Fuhrer and that the secret operation would make them even more powerful force than the Nazi party. So he claims that they're going to break off from the German army and start the Zany army, which is Nazi spoonerized. Um, Jessica slips away as the flashback ends. Colonel Mary says that it's time to expand the operations for their specific section, uh, which is called the Secret Tune Unit Priority Intelligence Division. Jessica says that she, they should work on that acronym because it's stupid. Uh, and Colonel Murray says, well, it's not that stupid. It spells stupid, don't uh, it? Uh, Laugh. Sorry. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, he says to Jessica to return to the front lines and gather some more intelligence about the zanies. Um, and Buddy, who is another toon, who I believe is a... Uh, I think he's a Warner Brothers uh, character. Zany? No, he might... Be, yeah. Yeah, so Buddy, he's being voiced by Jim Cummings. Okay. Um, He's tasked with the recruitment of more Toons to Stupid, who we'll just be calling the Toon Platoon. Right, Yeah. Uh, So Charlie is seen undertaking his basic training underneath Mark Hamill's command, which is pretty cool, and he's getting ready to be shipped out to the war. Um, Back in the city, Roger is touring theatres trying to get booked as a solo act, but it's not really working out for him. Nobody knows who he is. Uh, By chance, he ends up in a but a bar specifically for tunes called the Cell Block. Cell spelled C E L, as in animation cell. Uh, it's a tomb bar on the crummy end of town, and there he runs into Donald and Daffy Duck, who are getting into an altercation about an audition down the street about mm-hmm. who's got the right time. Right. Uh, it erupts into a cartoonish brawl between the two, which like has them like as a big like fight yeah, cloud. Yeah, yeah. But as they're going and fighting across the bar, they're perfectly pouring cocktails for everybody. Okay. <laughs> I'd, I wanted something to, that would one-up the scene of their dueling pianos thing. Yes. I figured, well, we're, instead of it just being confined to a stage, it's now going to be the whole All room, over the place. I like which it. Which would be really cool. Uh, Roger, hearing this, is like, right, well, I'm going to get straight down to the audition. Um, he finds out it's for the USO, which obviously is the uh, entertainment wing of the US military. Mm-hmm. They do shows and charity drives and what have you. Uh, at the audition, he meets Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. Um, mm-hmm. You might remember him from Epic Mickey 2, but before that, he hadn't been in a video game or a movie or anything for years. Right. So I feel like I've got license to use him. He's been voiced by Frank Welker because that's who voices him. Uh, <laughs> a lot Beautiful of. A lot, sentence there, But when I bring the voice actors in, like I say, if I mention a character, assume right. their current voice actor is gotcha. voicing them. Um, so the two are having this discussion about not having rights. And it's a bit of a double-meaning conversation because they're talking about film rights as well as civil rights. Ah, right, because okay. the brilliant thing about the original Roger Rabbit was it was an allegory for racism in Hollywood. 
so like Toon is like a stand-in for a minority, right. so you get to have that kind of quite close to the knuckle political commentary, whilst also it being like, I've not been in anything for ages. It'd be really cool. Gotcha, okay. Um, so they become friends during the discussion uh, before being called inside their audition. Inside is like a little panel of, of like judges, for lack of a better word, one of which is Buddy. Uh, they say they're stuck for time, so the two have to audition together. The two think on their feet and uh, create this sort of musical number based around pick me, no pick me. I haven't really written any music no, out. I didn't I have time to do that. Um, Buddy is watching the number with Glee, but the rest of the judges are a little bit in disagreement about the performance. Like half of them prefer Oswald, the other half prefer Robert, uh, Roger, uh, which results in one of the uh, one of the execs like really getting deep and critical and one of them saying, well, now you're just splitting hairs, which is an important one for later on. Um, So in the end, they're actually both accepted on the premise that they perform together so as not to disrupt other performance schedules. Outside the audition, Buddy stops the two of them and asks them to step into a side room. He says, right, you're both wanted for a secret mission uh, with the secret (laughs) unit priority intelligence division. Roger says... Well, that's stupid. It sounds it, yes, but we're actually a very serious operation. They agree to join and they are transported to a secret location. uh, And so they don't know where they're going. They slap sensor bars over their eyes. Uh, Roger and Oswald arrive in like a indoor army base with an assault course on it where General Merry is there, Mark Hamill, and their drill sergeant for the day, Foghorn Leghorn. Yay, okay. Um, They've assembled the members of Stupid, uh, otherwise otherwise now known as the Toon Platoon, who consist of Roger, Oswald, Casper the Friendly Ghost, Popeye, Mighty Mouse, Felix the Cat, and I did originally write down uh, Gabby Goat, but I want to change it to Tom and Jerry. Okay. Because I think that would be... Oh, Spielberg couldn't get them for the original, was it? No, he? exactly. He's the one he missed out on, we're, yeah. we're going back and we're getting the ones they missed. Right, okay. Uh, and there's going to be a joke about, well, couldn't you just get Superman? It's like, he's very busy. Oh, okay, good. Because <laughs> otherwise you make the film too easy. It's like, well, you just get Superman. Yeah, exactly. Um, and they go through an assault course, which allows the tunes to show how they're going to be handling their unique skills. Oh, yeah, I wanted Gossammer in there as well, um, who's from Looney Tunes. He's that big orange hair monster. Oh, yes. I want him in for scare tactics, but he's actually a lovely man who does crochet. Lovely. Um, on the front lines, uh, Charlie has found himself coming out of service roles and into active combat roles. Mm. Um, I wanted to pair him up with one of the guys... Me and Darren have started... Well, I've showed Darren a clip of this show called Letter Kenny. Please go and find the clips of Letter Kenny, people. It's it's hilarious. And I don't know how I'm going to shoehorn him in, but I want the main dude from Letterkenny as like a Canadian transfer. Um, oh, he played yes. by Jared Kiso from Letterkenny. who's amazing. I don't want him playing a different character. I just straight up <laughs> want him doing the same. Come on, Ken, I won't tell. <laughs> how many times do you pulled your horror bud? <laughs> Distribute some free literature. Do you Jinx. crossfit? Cross well, fuck, fuck off. off. <laughs> I want him in there somewhere. So just know that Jared Kiso's got a part right there for him. Um, but whilst Charlie's dealing with the the horrible side of warfare, of the, the, the sort of theatre of destruction that was the Western Front, Roger and the two platoon have found themselves doing different things across the Western Front. Roger and Oswald are in fact doing a bunch of USO shows uh, where most people are just really disappointed they didn't get Bob Hope. Oh, okay. uh, which leads Roger to um, walk away from one of the one of the shows, the one I'd have to be booed off. Um, and he starts wandering out, just muttering to himself, like, oh, rasa, rasa, that stuff. 
into f- <laughs> into the middle of the fucking battlefield oh, okay. like a tit. Um, he's staring down a tank, but he gets saved by uh, secret agent Jessica Krupnik uh, in a moment that makes him completely and utterly fall in love with her. Nice. Um, so all this is happening uh, at the same time where back in the secret Nazi lab, uh, you've got uh, Bozeman and the mad scientist mm-hmm. uh, are furthering their experimentations and they get visited by... Um, a bunch of like Nazi officers to double check in on the experiments. Like they want to weaponize the tunes um, and possibly create a weapon of tune destruction because that would be good. Mm-hmm. Um, what ends up happening is that they use this opportunity to turn away from the Nazi forces, uh, revealing another character uh, known as the computer. Oh my god, I'm gonna I'm gonna mess this up. Computer Gestutz Grosse Intelligence. Uh, the computerized great intelligence, aka the CGI, <laughs> and he's represented as kind of like a little bit like the Eye of Sauron, but like in a computer. Okay. Um, and I'm going to have that voiced by Tim Curry because, okay. of course, I am. Um, so they rebel against the Nazi officers. They tr- try to tunerize them to turn them into these. 3D indestructible soldiers, but unfortunately the testing doesn't work, uh, and the CGI starts commanding Bozeman and Mad Scientist, like, let's let's pick up the pace because you need to create a vessel for me to enter this world. Um, the USO troop continue to go around, and you get to see, like, little bits of each of the characters doing their own thing, so, for example, Mighty Mouse goes off and can fly, so he can do all reconnaissance missions, yeah. Uh, Popeye is obviously a member of the Navy and incredibly strong. Casper the Friendly Ghost is good for secret ops and stealing intelligence. Yeah. You just get little bits. It's a little bit like that bit in Captain America where it just shows clips of their various right. missions. This is what they're bringing to the Think table. of it like that. Okay. So you get to see each member of Stupid really <laughs> doing their part. Um, this results and comes to a head where uh, Charlie... Not, yeah, not, yeah, Charlie is actually attending one of these USO shows. Mm-hmm. Um and obviously sees Roger on stage. He's like, oh my God. He, I didn't realise he'd made it into the, the theatre of war as such, or the war of theatre. <laughs> um, so they reconcile after the show, meet backstage, like, oh, I haven't seen you in ages. Like, It's good to see that you're okay and all this nonsense. Um, it does kind of put up a little bit of a divide between um, Roger and Charlie because they used to be a double act but now Roger's a double act with Oswald and there's kind of a little bit of a triangle going right. on there um, but from there we come to an interesting scene um, oh, he's where, wiping his eyes people this could be bad uh, there's going to be an attack on the USO show yes. to set off the events of the, the final act of the movie mm-hmm. where like polygon soldiers um, are being sent in and they're Quite indestructible. They're throwing the allies for six. The two yes. platoon are able to put them down using uh, various comedy slapstick methods. Okay. Popeye obviously sending them back where they came nice. from, um, which kind of shits up Colonel Merry whilst because he's running stupid, and it's like right. Well, we need we, we're running out of time. Um, like I, he was never really concerned about what the Nats are doing. He's like the war is the war, and that's a different thing. I'm more concerned about stopping this evil scientist. Yes. Um, the reason that they got attacked is because whilst they had all the members of Toon Platoon together, one of them went rogue. Buddy is not your buddy. Oh no! Buddy's been working for CGI the entire fucking time. He's not our buddy, pal. He's not. I'm literally gonna rip that joke from South Park. He is not your buddy, pal. Um, 
and he manages to escape and runs back to um, the secret laboratory where Bozeman and the mad scientists are preparing their final preparations to bring CGI into the real world. Mm-hmm. Um, we then cut to... Imagine the opening scene from Saving Private Ryan retold by Roger Rabbit where a bunch of like cartoon cameos win the day. I want you to be, and there's going to be like a cutaway back to the 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 office in the night future. It's like this didn't happen. It's like well, you can't prove it didn't happen. Okay, <laughs> that kind of thing. So instead of it just being human tragedy, it's it's Roger Rabbit with a huge mallet whacking down bunkers. The Popeye spinning a tank around. It's going to be great. Oh, <laughs> Tom. <laughs> oh God. Um. So they eventually, like, they break through the front lines. They're like, are we going to help our friends in the front lines? Like, we've got to get to the POW camp. This is where the lab is. This is where people have been experimented on. We, we need to stop Buddy. Um, they get there, and the CGI is born into this huge polygonal creature. It's like a big, massive monster. Uh, and so they've had to use, like, a human sacrifice and a, uh, a toon sacrifice. Yeah. So the mad scientist has essentially fused... Bozeman and Buddy together to make a vessel for CGI to take over. Right. It's pandemonium. And okay. I, I want it to be a full-on cartoon fight. Because the ending of Roger Rabbit, kind of, I know it's supposed to be like a, a film noir, but it always struck me as a little bit crap. Right. Uh, I mean, they, they have a bit of... <laughs> they have some good bits, like with the singing sword, but like, nah, it's not great. Could have been improved. Yeah. I essentially want to do the thing that everybody wants now with this with the new kind of animated three act structures and it's kind of going to be like the fight from the end of incredibles it's going to be a bunch of people with their unique skills yeah bouncing off each other helping nice. each other out so tom and jerry just trying to kill each other but it turns out that that's the best way to distract the enemy whilst popeye can bring in a blow or yes. felix the cat can open up a hole that they fall through yeah. stuff, stuff like that can Float above and shout words of encouragement. Yeah, I was. Okay. I just wanted Casper in it, to be honest. Um, that results in a moment where Felix has got a hole open to, not a pocket dimension, but it's just like a big comedy hole. It's like, right, if you give me enough time, I can open this uh, and we'll just push him in, close it up, job done. Mm-hmm. This is the only way you can kill a toon because it's impossible to kill a toon without toon methods. This is something right. that come, feeds into the original Roger Rabbit when yeah. they invent the dip. They don't have that now. Uh-huh. So only toons can kill toons and only humans can kill humans. But this, but the CGI can kill both. Ah, right. So he's a big problem. So they, it's a little bit like the end of the Avengers having to keep a hole open to get somebody through it. Okay. Um, which re- leads um, Oswald the Lucky Rabbit to essentially act as a sacrifice. Uh-huh. He like grabs something off the things. Like, if you want this, you've got to follow me. Jumps into the hole. They all fall in. The mad scientist falls in. They close it up. The day is won. Uh, so victory in Europe and victory for the Toons. <laughs> yeah. Um, the end scene is you, you, they all go back. It's a couple of years. It's as the war ends, they all go home. And it's it's Charlie and Roger Rabbit hanging out at a cenotaph. And they're like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, and uh, and Charlie and Roger's <laughs> being given an offer to appear in movies at Maroon Studios, and Charlie's like, "You're enough of a hero to to do this on your own." And I'm I'm kind of out of the game. Go ahead, live your dreams. And then we cut back to the office, and like <laughs> Brian Cranston's like, "This this will never sell. This is a stupid <laughs> idea." And Rob Roger's booted out the thing and goes back to making crap cartoons. Yay! 
I thought like you should... <laughs> oh, can you not end it in a different way and say, well, my best friend would be a talking pie. <laughs> I was considering doing that. <laughs> Sorry, just... Roger, you've done it again. These days are bad. Spend them with me. Oh, happy days. Yeah, can we do that? Him going back to a cenotaph, I was like, oh, it's like the start of Saving Private One where old Matt Damon goes back to the thing. <laughs> yeah. But it's Roger Bappy. <laughs> okay. Uh, Ooh, lot to huh, go over there. But, um, okay, I, I very in-depth. I like the fact that you based it on previous attempts and um, brought them together um, with your own twist. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Um, I mean, it's unique. You can't, <laughs> can't say that. <laughs> My biggest problem, and it's not your fault at all, I've never seen Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Have you not? Oh, no. no. So I feel like there may be references in there that are going over my head that I'm like, <laughs> yeah, okay, cool. Um, I appreciate good puns and jokes, so that's heavily laid for that. My only concern... <laughs> <laughs> is, is making light of a terrible thing. Yeah. Yeah. You, you didn't include Hitler or the Holocaust or any of that good business. But it's still, and I mean, admittedly, it's open season there. Wonder Woman and the first Captain America movie kind of made fantastical spins on what happened. But there's fantastical spins involving Amazons and super soldiers, and then there's Roger Rabbit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I just it's, feel it's like... It's a brave movie. It is. Is what I would tell you. And it's just the, the few times I laughed where I could have got of he goes to the cenotaph. Yeah. And, and war, <laughs> war is over in Europe. Europe have succeeded and so have the tunes. Um, <laughs> I I implore you to watch the original Roger Rabbit because I think I saw it years ago when I was a kid. Uh, yeah. And you watch it again now and it's actually a very adult movie. Right. A lot of risque humour, a lot of innuendos. I, I think that there's space within the, quote unquote, because there was only one film, Roger Rabbit universe. Yes. To do something that is a little bit more daring with its adult material, perhaps made for the people who enjoyed okay. it all those years ago. Yeah. That's kind of where you'd pitch it. It's people our age and older yeah, okay. who, who would be going to see. But you can also have the whole kind of like... You have to have a, a cartoonishly evil villain Yes, without it going into, well, all the Germans were evil. It's like, no, 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 just this specific one and the computer-generated <laughs> demigod thing. Yeah. Uh, oh. It's a hell of a pitch, Michael. It's a hell of, <laughs> hell of a pitch. Whereas mine was overly simple. I feel yours may be slightly um, guilty of being complicated. Yeah. I, I, There's I, a I, lot going on. But again, mine was two pages, so there was a lot not going on in mine. Um, well, people, I don't think we could have pictured two more diametrically opposed movies <laughs> if we tried. Um, and I, I'm, I'm leaving it for you to pick between these two because, Wow. Oh, I need a cigarette or something because I just was not expecting any of that business. And I was working so hard. I was on, whilst you were talking, I was like go- frantically Googling, who framed Roger Rabbit? I need to know this stuff. Oh, God. Um, so it's over to you. It is. You can go and let us know on uh, Facebook, Twitter, on the SoundCloud comments, uh, on our website, foundsem.com, and you can go and find us on all of the things under the, foul- uh, the username FowlyNT. That's F O U L E N T. Um, you can go and let me know on Twitter personally at that Mike Owen, as well as on Instagram that you would want to see this monstrosity that I just wrote. Um, or you can go and tell Darren that he, in fact, has the safer and indeed more marketable option of bringing back the Goonies uh, at, on Twitter at, at the Guttridge and on Instagram at, at Dazzle the G. 
Of course, we're on Spotify now. Please do go and follow us on Spotify so you can get more updates as to when these podcasts are going up. We're trying to get them out every Sunday, although that will be my downfall, actually saying that out loud. Ah, panic. We've already had a week off, but we're doing well for this year, Darren. It's already better than last year. <laughs> Here's your purple heart, Popeye. Uh... <laughs> Anyway, can, um, can we get Felix the cat like in a wheelchair, like Lieutenant uh, Dan? Is that is that too far? Oh, Felix no. Ice Cream. Um, <laughs> yeah, I we we have Mister Sunday. Um, I was blessed with a niece, so I was a little bit busy yeah. going to see her. Congrats! Um, thank you, thank you. Um, so I was slightly distracted this week, so it's why we we've slightly missed a week. But uh, first one of the year, and it's only mid Feb. Yeah. Considering how much of last year we missed, I don't think that's too bad. Yeah. Um, I will say, now both of us kind of had struggles with this one in terms of getting it started and really latching onto a good idea. I think we've still come up with, considering either of us were overly enthused about this one, it wasn't like lightning strikes of ideas we had. Mm. We've put together two very marketable, very... Um, questionably so. Yeah, questionably so, but viable options yeah. for sequels to both films that never got sequels that were very... Um, very did very well commercially, very well remembered, very nostalgic. We movies. both picked eighties movies as well. Which yes, is we did. Considering neither of us were born in the eighties, that's quite a thing. Hmm. Um, but yes, um, the next one on the other hand, oh boy! If indeed it is the next one, we, we, we yes. might have something smaller in the meantime. But one of the ones off the master list we chose, and it's kind of a little bit of a crossover with our other podcast. Oh, <laughs> yeah, we were um, we were exploring. We, well, we've talked about it before. We follow we. Both fell in love with a YouTuber called Mr. Buddy, who does hypothetical Pokemon regions. Mm-hmm. Of course, one, there is a new Pokemon game coming out this year. It's still not been confirmed to be Gen 8. They, they, they've been vague enough where I'm worried they might play it. It's Pokemon Puzzle League 2. Hey! <laughs> um, so that's coming. Uh, we both wanted to do it for a little while. We both really love this video series. And I had a really good idea for at least a jumping off point. And then accidentally wrote six pages worth of notes already and <laughs> counting. It's already grown to six pages today. Jesus. So that. So yeah, the next up, hope, maybe next up, we don't know. But the one in the pipeline is Pokemon. Uh, pitch a new Pokemon region for the upcoming Gen 8 game. So yeah. look forward to that one. And as Mike said, if you want to keep up with all of the updates over on our channel, please do go follow us on Twitter at FellENT. That's Fell spelt. F-O-U-L-E-N-T. We need to get like a little jingle for that. We really do. That would save our breath. Um, But yeah, thank you for listening. Please do go vote on whether it's going to be The Goonies Never Say Die or... What was the title of yours? Roger Rabbit's Toon Platoon. There we are. Over on Twitter, Facebook and all the other things. Thank you very much for listening and we'll see you next time. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.